This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of complement from the immune response subsection under the immunology topic on medbullets.com. So as an introduction, the complement system is a group of circulating proteins that are synthesized by the liver, participate in humoral immunity, act as proteases and cleave one another in cascade, bind to pathogens as well as immune complexes, and alert phagocytes of the innate immune system. Again, the complement system is a group of circulating proteins that are synthesized by the liver, participate in humoral immunity, act as proteases, and cleave one another in cascade, bind to pathogens as well as immune complexes, and alert phagocytes of the innate immune system. The system can be activated in one of three ways, including the classical pathway when activated by antibodies, the alternative pathway when activated spontaneously, and the lectin pathway when activated by mannose residues on pathogens. So again, the complement system can be activated in one of three ways, including the classical pathway when activated by antibodies, the alternative pathway when activated spontaneously, and the lectin pathway when activated by mannose residues on pathogens. Activation of the complement pathway leads to a cascading cleavage of downstream proteins. Activation of the complement pathway also leads to separation of protein fragments after cleavage where A is the smaller component that is carried by the bloodstream, and B is the larger component that stays on the pathogen. Again, activation of the complement pathway leads to separation of protein fragments after cleavage, where A is the smaller component that is carried by the bloodstream, and B is the larger component that stays on the pathogen. Remember, complement must be closely controlled by inhibitors such as a C1 esterase inhibitor and CD55, otherwise known as decay accelerating factor. So now let's talk about the activation of complement. We'll talk about the different complement activation pathways and the differences between them with respect to what they detect, their specificity, initiating factor, and how C3 convertase formation can occur in the three different pathways. So starting with the classical complement activation pathway, it detects surfaces with bound antibodies, specifically IgG and IgM. As far as specificity in the classical pathway, it is conferred by the specific binding of antibodies. Initiating factors include C1Q, C1R, and C1S. C3 convertase in the classical pathway is formed of C4B and C2B. Moving on to the alternative complement activation pathway, as far as detection, the alternative pathway detects surfaces not protected by complement inhibitors. As far as specificity, the alternative pathway is conferred by inactivation of complement by host inhibitors. Initiating factors for the alternative pathway include C3 factor turnover and factor D. C3 convertase in the alternative pathway is formed from C3B and factor BB. Finally, moving on to the lectin pathway, this pathway detects surfaces with mannose. With respect to specificity, the lectin pathway is conferred by lack of mannose on host membranes. The initiating factor in the lectin pathway is mannose binding lectin and associated proteases. C3 convertase in the lectin pathway, like the classical pathway, is formed of C4B and C2B. Now let's talk about some functions of complement. So the complement cascade has many functions, including opsonization of invading pathogens mediated by coding of pathogens by C3B and IgG, as well as activation of phagocytosis by these fragments. Another function includes clearance of immune complexes and cellular debris. 
chemotaxis of neutrophils mediated by release of C5A into the bloodstream after cleavage and detection of C5A by innate immune cells, direct cytolysis of pathogens through formation of the membrane attack complex or MAC, and insertion of the MAC into bacterial membranes, as well as rupture of the cell with release of internal contents. Finally, the complement cascade also functions in vascular changes such as dilation that are caused by immune reaction to C3A, C4A, and C5A. This can lead to anaphylaxis if released systemically. Together, these effects of the complement cascade are important in initial activation of the innate immune system, clearance of debris such as immune complexes, and assistance with humoral immunity. Now, let's talk about complement component deficiencies. So starting with the missing circulating C3, this can present with recurrent infection by pyogenic bacteria and increased susceptibility to type 3 hypersensitivity reactions. The pathology in a missing circulating 3 factor includes failure of C3 convertase formation and lack of immune complex and pathogenic bacterial clearance. So the pathology in missing factor circulating C3 includes failure of C3 convertase formation as well as lack of immune complex and pathogenic bacterial clearance. When you have missing factors C5, C6, C7, C8, or C9, the presentation is increased susceptibility to recurrent Neisseria infections. The pathology involves failure of membrane attack complex formation. When you have a missing C1 esterase inhibitor, the presentation in these patients is hereditary angioedema, and keep in mind that ACE inhibitors are contraindicated in these patients. The pathology involved in C1 esterase inhibitor deficiency includes unregulated activation of calocrine by the complement system, leading to increased bradykinin activity. Finally, missing decay accelerating factor, or CD55, presents with paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria. The pathology involves unregulated activation of complement, which leads to lysis of red blood cells. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A geneticist reviews the results of a whole exome sequencing from a patient and notices several de novo mutations in a gene that is involved in the complement cascade. These mutations affect the ability of the protein produced to polymerize into a circular structure. However, they do not appear to compromise the ability of the protein to detect abnormal structures. Furthermore, foreign organisms that are placed into an assay with the mutated protein appear to be opsonized properly, but then do not lyse as expected. A patient with the mutations described here will most likely have which of the following clinical manifestations? And the choices are 1. Angioedema in response to angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors. 2. Increased infections by gram-negative bacteria. 3. Increased infections by gram-positive bacteria. 4. Increased susceptibility to hypersensitivity reactions. And 5. Lysis of red blood cells during sleep. The correct answer to this question is 2. Increased infections by gram-negative bacteria. So the structure described that is involved in polymerization and lysis of foreign bodies is most likely the membrane attack complex of the complement cascade. Patients with defects in the membrane attack complex present with recurrent infections by the gram-negative diplococci Neisseria species. To quickly review, the complement cascade is an innate immune defense system consisting of circulating proteins. Defects in any part of this cascade can lead to dysfunction of the immune system and a predisposition for either infections or autoimmune manifestations. 
the C5 or activated fragment that is known as C5b, C6, C7, C8, and C9 proteins in this cascade are known as the membrane attack complex and form a polymeric ring that punctures the cell membrane. Defects in the initiation or polymerization of this complex can lead to recurrent infections by Neisseria species. So to go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, angioedema in response to angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors is consistent with hereditary angioedema, which is caused by a mutation in C1 esterase inhibitor and presents with swelling of the face and upper airway. This protein is responsible for decreasing activity of the complement cascade. Answer 3, increased infections by gram-positive bacteria may be seen in patients who have defects in the early stages of complement cascade, such as C2, C3, and C4. These patients will not have proper opsonization of bacteria, leading to recurrent infections by pyogenic bacteria. Answer 4, increased susceptibility to hypersensitivity reactions may be seen in patients who have a defect in circulating C3 and will present with allergy, asthma, or anaphylaxis in response to benign antigens. This protein is a key factor in the opsonization of foreign bodies and immune complexes. And finally, answer 5, lysis of red blood cells during sleep would be seen in patients with paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria, which is caused by a defect in CD55 or decay accelerating factor. This disease will present with a hemolytic anemia with dark urine in the morning. This protein is responsible for inactivating the complement cascade. So to leave you with a bullet summary, patients with a defect in the membrane attack complex of the complement cascade will present with recurrent Neisseria infections. Moving on to the next question. A 24-year-old woman presents to the emergency department because she started experiencing dyspnea and urticaria after dinner. Her symptoms began approximately 15 minutes after eating a new type of shellfish that she has never had before. On physical exam, her breathing is labored, and pulmonary auscultation reveals wheezing bilaterally. Given this presentation, she is immediately started on intramuscular epinephrine for treatment of her symptoms. If part of this patient's symptoms were related to the systemic release of certain complement components, which of the following is another function of the responsible component? And the choices are 1. Chemotaxis, 2. Clearance of immune complexes, 3. Direct cytolysis, four, inhibition of calocrine activation, and five, opsonization of pathogens. The correct answer to this question is one, chemotaxis. So this patient with urticaria and wheezing after eating shellfish is most likely experiencing anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis can be caused by systemic release of C3A, C4A, and C5A, which also have a role in chemotaxis. The complement cascade is part of the innate immune system and has many functions involved in host defense, such as opsonization, chemotaxis, and direct cytolysis. One important function is dilation of the vasculature that may be triggered by immune reaction to foreign antigens. Specifically, this reaction involves the post-proteolytic products C3A, C4A, and C5A and can lead to anaphylaxis by systemic release of C3A, C4A, and C5A, which also have a role in chemotaxis. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, clearance of immune complexes is a function of C3B or C5B. However, these components are not involved in anaphylaxis. Answer 3, direct cytolysis is a function of the membrane attack complex C6 to C9. However, these components are not involved in anaphylaxis. 
Answer four, inhibition of calocrine activation is a function of C1S raise inhibitor. However, this protein is not involved in anaphylaxis. And finally, answer five, opsonization of pathogens is a function of C3B or C5B. However, these components are not involved in anaphylaxis. To leave you with a bullet summary, C5A is a soluble post-proteolytic complement component that is responsible for anaphylaxis as well as chemotaxis. Moving on to the next question. A healthy 14-year-old male is brought to the clinic by his mom for shortness of breath and abdominal pain for the past two days. The patient has a history of mild asthma controlled with albuterol and an upper respiratory infection that resolved four days ago. The patient denies any cough, fever, or sputum production, but reports nausea and vomiting with oral intake. The abdominal pain is rated as 6 out of 10, diffuse, and non-radiating. Physical examination was unremarkable except for bronchial breath sounds, diffuse abdominal tenderness, and swelling of the right hand. What medication should this patient avoid taking in the future due to this condition? And the choices are 1. Atorvastatin, 2. Ibuprofen, 3. Lisinopril, 4. Propanolol, and 5. Verapamil. The correct answer to this question is 3. Lisinopril. So this patient's symptoms, for example, abdominal pain, dyspnea, and hand swelling, following a trigger, such as an upper respiratory infection, is consistent with hereditary angioedema. Patients with the condition should avoid angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors or ACE inhibitors as the medication leads to bradykinin buildup and can lead to subsequent attacks. To quickly review, hereditary angioedema is an autosomal dominant disorder that presents with recurrent attacks of swelling, often following trauma or stress. Swelling usually occurs in the arms, legs, face, intestinal tract, and airway. Swelling of the airway may present as shortness of breath and dyspnea, while swelling of the intestinal tract may present with acute abdominal pain and vomiting. The disease is due to a hereditary deficiency of C1 esterase inhibitor, thereby leading to an accumulation of bradykinin, which increases airway swelling. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, atorvastatin is a lipid-lowering agent. It does not affect bradykinin levels. Answer 2, ibuprofen is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, or NSAID, that can increase the risk of gastrointestinal ulcers. However, this patient's abdominal pain is diffuse and is not suggestive of peptic ulcer disease. Answer 4, propanolol is a beta-blocker medication that is contraindicated in patients with asthma. However, this patient's current symptoms are suggestive of hereditary angioedema, and thus ACE inhibitors are contraindicated for this condition. And finally, answer 5, verapamil is a calcium channel blocker that is used for rate control. It does not affect bradykinin levels. So to leave you with the bullet summary, hereditary angioedema is an autosomal dominant disease of C1 esterase inhibitor deficiency that leads to swelling. Angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors like ACE inhibitors are contraindicated. And moving on to the final question, a 3-year-old male is brought to the emergency room by his mother for a rash and fever. The mother reports that the child first developed a cough and malaise three days ago. Over the last 24 hours, a rash developed and the patient had a temperature of up to 101.4 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.6 degrees Celsius the night prior to presentation. The child's medical history is notable for a prior hospitalization at the age of two for fever, vomiting, and lethargy. During that hospitalization, a cerebrospinal fluid sample demonstrated gram-negative diplococci. His current temperature is 100.9 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 130 over 85 millimeters of mercury. 
pulse is 115 per minute, and respirations are 22 per minute. Physical examination reveals a lethargic male child with a diffuse petechial skin rash that is most prominent on the trunk and legs. This patient most likely has a deficiency in which of the following factors? And the choices are 1, C1Q, 2, C2, 3, C3, 4, C4, and 5, C5. The correct answer to this question is 5C5. So the patient in this vignette presents with meningococcemia and a history of Neisseria meningitis suggestive of an underlying immunodeficiency against Neisseria infections. Deficiencies in complement factors C5 to C9 are associated with increased susceptibility to Neisseria infections. To quickly review, the complement cascade consists of multiple factors in the innate immune system that defend against pyogenic organisms. Factors C5 to C9 are required to construct the membrane attack complex, which is a downstream effector complex that forms transmembrane channels on the surface of pathogenic bacteria that lead to cell lysis. The membrane attack complex is particularly useful in defending against gram-negative species such as Neisseria. Therefore, deficiencies in the components of a membrane attack complex will present with recurrent Neisseria infections. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, Answer 1, complement factor C1Q associates with C1R and C1S to form the C1 complex, which is important for the activation of the downstream complement system. C1Q deficiency is associated with an increased risk for chronic skin lesions, chronic infections, systemic lupus erythematosus, and proliferative glomerulonephritis. Answer 2, complement factor C2 binds to C4B and is subsequently cleaved into C2A and C2B. C2A and C4B become the C3 convertase, which converts C3 to C3B. C2 deficiency is similar to C1Q deficiency and presents with an increased risk of recurrent infections and systemic lupus erythematosus. Answer 3, complement factor C3 is converted to C3B by C3 convertase and is then incorporated into the C5 convertase. Similar to C1Q and C2 deficiencies, C3 deficiency will present with recurrent infections and an increased risk of connective tissue diseases such as systemic lupus erythematosus. Answer 4, complement factor C4 binds to C2A to form the C3 convertase. C4 deficiency may present with recurrent infections and an increased risk of connective tissue diseases. To leave you with a bullet summary, deficiencies in complement factors C5 to C9 the factors that create the membrane attack complex present with recurrent Neisseria infections. That's all for this review about complement. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.